You're listening to the Dad Pod Podcast, a podcast all about understanding the dad experience. What's up? It's the Dad Pod Podcast. He is Dave. I am Bobby. Been away for a little bit, but now we're back as we come back you with back to you with episode 46. This is not the Steve Traxel episode for you, former Chicago oh. Cub. Nope, 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 nope. This is the Andy Pettit episode. Uh, love Andy Pettit. I'm not going to lie. I love Andy Pettit. But I, I was actually going to, I didn't think you knew about Steve Traxel being 46. Did you really? I was going to bring up Steve Traxel for, for this reason. Because when I was a kid at a Super Nintendo, and my favorite game on Super Nintendo was a game called Super RBI oh, yeah. Baseball. And for some reason, on Super RBI Baseball, Steve Traxel threw the ball harder than anybody else in the game, and no one could hit him. And so I was always the Cubs, so I could play so with Steve So here's Traxel. the funny part. You think back to our life, I mean, we're big baseball fans at this point, but do you know the year that Steve Traxel actually retired? Because it might surprise you. Like, he played for a decent amount of time. Do you know when his last year was? Well... So Super RBI Baseball for me would have been like late 90s, maybe mid-90s. So I'm going to say he retired 2006. 2008. Four? 2008. Oh, close. That's that's long, though. He must have been 40. He was in 93. He was 22 years old, played till 08 when he was 37. Respect to him, though, for getting that kind of a, a longevity to his career. You know, it's funny. You watch Tom Brady, and so now you and I are in our low, but we're heading for our mid-30s. And Tom Brady's, what, 44? Yep. And you think, how does he get up out of bed in the morning? Because yep. you and I struggle to get up out of bed in the morning, and we don't really do anything. Yeah. So here's the thing. Now, we're also going to bring Andy Pettit up. Because you and I do this thing where like, we bring up random obscure players and we try and quiz each other on every team they played for. Mm-hmm. So we talked about yep. Pettit. Can you name the one other team he played for in his career? Besides the Yankees, he played for the um, Dodgers? The Astros. Oh, that's right. He played He, he played for... And everyone's loving this. If, if any of our, either of our wives are listening to this, they're like, oh my God, you idiots. Like, stop talking about baseball. This will actually transition perfectly into something I want to talk about. Yeah, well, okay. We'll, we'll trade this to this, right? Like, so I think at some point, you kind of realize, like, A, your spouses are weird. <laughs> but I think, B, at this same point, we started to realize how weird our kids are. And the thing I told you tonight was, Eli tried to eat a sticker. It's funny. All, all dads will know. So I don't care if your kids are little like ours or if you're listening to the show and your kids are in high school. They're still weird. And so I was going to come into this episode to talk about a very specific weird thing, which I'll get to in a second, which is not about my kid. It's about a different kid. But then tonight, my kid, Leo, decides that eating leaves is the funniest thing ever. So we're FaceTiming with my mom. He won't stop eating leaves. He's got right. dirt and mud on his teeth. He's laughing. It's the weirdest thing ever. What is it? Um, more things are learned than taught, right? And I'm like, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know where you're learning that from, dude. Like, I didn't. Well, maybe, te- maybe it's Emma. I didn't learn. Yeah, maybe it is Emma. I, I Does think Emma eat stickers? Uh, Emma, you know, Emma eats. Um, Emma eats cottage cheese, and I consider that just as weird as leaves or stickers. That's- so she's yeah, also cottage cheese is actually worse. Cottage cheese is mold, by the way. I just want to throw it that is, out there. Cottage cheese is mold. She eats it, and it's weird, it's horrible. But but we went to hang out with some of our neighbors the other night, and they have little kids, and we were talking about how kids just they get hooked on songs, and so there's a certain song maybe they'll hear on a show, and they just want to hear it over and over and over and over. And um, 
these people that we met at our neighbor's house said, well, you know, our son actually is really into a certain song because we took him to a baseball game. And that night, he said, hey, I want to hear the baseball song. Sing the baseball song. And so they were like, okay, take me out. And he's like, no, 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 the baseball song. And they were like, okay, um, is it the Pledge of Allegiance? He, so this kid wants to, <laughs> he wants to, them to sing either the Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem every <laughs> night before he goes to bed. <laughs> Well, and what's funny is what kids remember about that. We took Molly, we took Molly to our first football game a couple weeks ago, and you can ask her every detail of that day. What did you do that day? I went to gymnastics. I went to Leo's birthday party. I went to a football game. I ate popcorn. I ate pretzel. And I fell asleep in the car. I'm like, that's every and I had a lemonade. I'm like, that's everything you did. It's everything you did. And kids are, and to go back to the kids are so weird thing. So we're driving home from the football game. It was her first day without a nap in like I don't know a year and a half. So we go home. We're literally on the way home. And I said, Molly, do you want to take a nap? No, I don't want to take a nap. It's okay. Well, you should. 30 seconds later, she's asleep. She wakes up 45 minutes later. Literally, the first thing she says to us is, I didn't want to do that. That's all she says. And then, and then we get home and she goes right back to sleep. I didn't want to do that. I'm like, dude, that's the first thing you say? <laughs> well, we're, we're all just learning how to handle our kids at every single age that we tackle, which is why we make this podcast. And tonight we have a great guest for you who has successfully navigated the very young years of his kids. And now his kids are, I believe, either both in middle school or one of them's towards the end of elementary school with the other one in middle school. But they're turning in to be great human beings. And you'll hear a fantastic story from, from our guest, Ben Beeks tonight about his son and uh, just having, gosh, maturity well beyond his age. Our guest tonight is Ben Beeks. Ben is the founder and managing member of Three Point Strategies, a government affairs and public relations firm that offers new access points and strategies for the changing environment of work. Ben has previously worked as a political director for a political party, the chief of staff for a secretary of state, and also has worked in development at a private university. Ben is a proud member of his church, a youth and little league coach, and as you will hear, he's a dedicated family man to his wife, Sarah, and their two children, Chloe and Cooper. Here's our conversation with Ben Beats. So Ben, I know that you were a swimmer, correct? I was. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought so. And now your son's a swimmer. So I got to ask, I-, I saw that you were recently on social media. I saw that you were at a swim meet. So I'm a runner, and I pray every night that my son's not a runner because I don't want to go sit at track meets. <laughs> so so how boring is it to watch the other kids swim? That's got to be torture. <laughs> I am more nervous uh, watching my son swim than I ever was uh, for me swimming. So we actually, Sarah, my wife and I, we we really enjoy actually going to swim meets. Both of my kids swim, my daughter, uh, who's 14, and my son, who's 10. Uh, but my daughter only swims during the summer. My son, that's kind of his thing. He he loves to swim. So uh, we, we enjoy, actually, uh, it's kind of downtime for us, you know? Mm. So um, we, we kind of crave downtime. So that's that's good time for us. See, that's the proper dad perspective. That We're already kicking <laughs> off that you're a better father than me. You've got the right mindset. So quick story there, because I'm pretty sure my dad hated when I swam, because I was on a swim team when I was a kid, 
And my dad took me to his work one day and there was a gym. I decided it was a great idea to get on a treadmill to run at like 15 miles an hour at like 8 or 9 or 10 years old. And I skinned up my knee. I had disqualified for a city meet at that point. Basically, we'll say I skinned up my knee so bad to where even the doctor was like, yeah, you shouldn't get in a pool. That's going to sting. And I'm pretty sure my dad did it because he got tired of sitting at swim meets. That's kind of my synopsis there of that. But Ben, we obviously, thanks for coming on. We wanted to say a big thanks for that. But one of the things I think Dave and I, we, we talk all the time about the amount of time our jobs can take and the amount of time that we think like, man, am I going to be able to go home at a proper hour and things like that? But then we look at you and you started your own business. What, what have been kind of, what's been that journey like? What was the conversation with the wife like? Like what's, how's the home life developed throughout that? Because that just, I think a lot of people look at that and they want to try, they want to start their own business. But then in the back of their mind, they're also thinking, do I have time for everything else? This has been a journey. So this is not something that happened overnight by any means. So uh, this, this, that's one thing a lot of people ask me about starting your own business, just from other perspectives, not about family time, but I always remind them, I said, look, this didn't happen overnight. This took a lot of years of you know preparation, relationship building for me to do what I'm doing. And uh, by the grace of God, we're, we're, we are doing that. Um, I was having, I was actually working at the University of Charleston like Dave does. Um, I was a vice president there and I was uh, in charge of raising money. And I was meeting with a donor who was the managing partner of a large uh, law firm. And, you know, I was in the between that, that 30 to 40, you know, type age group, you know, young, you know, early thirties, really trying to build my career. And, um, you know, he says, how's it going? I said, it's a struggle. I said, you know, my kids are young and they're growing and I like, I want to be there for my wife and for my kids, but I've also got a demanding career. And I said, it's just, it's tough to balance. And he said, you know, the ages between 30 and 40 were my roughest because you're, you're rising in your career, yet you're also needing to perform probably the most that you need to perform with your family. And I said, dude, that's me. Um, and, and I felt it. So starting the business was a blessing. Um, I work from home. Um, that's a blessing. I love it. Um, my wife, who is the more conservative, and I'm not talking politically, I just mean like conservative approach to life. I thought she was the one who was going to say, there's no way we could do this. You know, we need health insurance. We need this. We need that. <laughs> But on a drive to the beach for a summer vacation, she I just kept hammering her with questions. Should we this? Should we that? Should What is this? What about that? And she goes, Ben Beeks, for goodness sakes, you are successful at everything you put your mind to. I don't know what you're, you know, what are you waiting on? Just go do it. And I thought, yes, ma'am. So uh, that's what got us there. And it's been a blessing all the way. I don't work any less, but I work on my own terms. And that's the biggest blessing of owning my own business. A lot of pressures come with owning your business, a lot of outside pressures. But by and large, I can do that on my terms. And that's been the biggest change for my family and biggest blessing for our family. Yeah, we'll get into um, your business three-point strategies. And I want to talk about some of the things that you, you go through from a work perspective and how you shake that off when you come home. But you said something just a second ago, Ben, that we've talked about throughout this show, both seasons of the show, succeeding at the wrong things. And it's funny, you know, I had a conversation with my, my brother-in-law. So my brother-in-law works in healthcare, and 
uh, he's the kind of guy, and I mean this in a good way, he, he loves to be home with his family. And so anytime he's not with his family, including work, he feels like he's wasting his time. So he has to remind himself, no, I'm doing this for a reason. I'm providing for my family. But it's a struggle for him to continue to go in and, and give his best, knowing that his heart's not in it because his heart wants to be with his family. There's nothing wrong with that. So, so how have you navigated those waters? You know, it's, it's funny, all three of us, and Bobby and I are in that lower creeping towards mid-30 age range that you talked about, where it is like that. We want to be successful, but at the same time, I couldn't wait to get home today because I'm trying to teach my son how to play soccer. You know, so there's this, man, I got to be dialed in at work, but I just can't wait to get home. So how have you navigated those waters? Yeah, I mean, one thing when you're working for somebody, you know, especially if you're in a different generation uh, than that person, you know, sometimes the process-oriented approach to work, like you've got to be here from nine to five or you have to put in 60 hours, drives people, um, you know, of my generation and your all's generation a little crazy because we're outcomes-based type people, you know, who cares when it's done? Let's just get the work done. So especially in the work that, you know, I'm in. I had to learn to forgive myself. Um, I had to learn to say, you know, there's a couple things on this planet that uh, matter more than others. And there's a great scripture, and I should have this citation, but I don't have it. But uh, focus on the unseen, not on the seen. And uh, to me, that speaks uh, wisdom in my life uh, that when I'm dead and gone, Nobody's going to remember. I had a boss tell me this one time. He says, nobody's going to remember that um, Betty Ireland, that's who I was working for, was the Secretary of State you know, at one point. And they're sure as heck not going to remember that Ben Beeks was the chief of staff. <laughs> and I thought to myself, but you know what? My kids are going to have kids, and they're going to have kids, and they're going to have kids. And what I do for them or with them now has impact for generations to come, not to be so self-boastful or anything. But that's when I kind of made clear to me, this is where it is. And you have to just forgive yourself. Sometimes you have to miss things at work and it sucks and you are killing yourself and you feel bad, but you got to, you got to remove and you got to let go. And uh, you're, if you have a good spouse, they're uh, going to be uh, reminding you of that. And that's a good thing. They're holding you accountable and you have to make sure you understand that's a good thing. Yeah, the learning to forgive yourself um, is something that, you know, my son just turned two. And so I am experiencing that from a, uh, a, a discipline perspective, I guess you could say, because he's just learning his emotions. He's learning how to deal with the world. And so as I learn and he learn together, we're just going to mess up sometimes. You know, sometimes I'm going to get mad at him. It's not going to be fair. And other times, you know, he's going to push back at me because we're just rebellious human beings and he's just kind of learning how to be a human being. So yeah, that, that for, learning to forgive yourself part, I think resonates with me and will resonate with a lot of people. Um, that listen to our podcast. But but your your business, Ben, is very interesting because anytime I read the word lobbyist, it just it, so me personally, it makes me run away as fast as I possibly can. <laughs> so as you deal in a very stressful political world, and, and once again, on your website, a lobbying business, how do you handle that and not take that home, even though you work from home? You, you get what I'm saying? How do you not have the stress from work carry into your home life? 
my kids actually are interested in what I do, and so does my wife. Um, that makes it a lot easier. Like they want to know, Daddy, who did you talk to today? And you know, who'd you meet with? And um, you know, my son, uh, he he likes to do uh, YouTube videos and stuff, and so he'll actually watch the Senate and the House, you know, the state legislature, you know, sometimes <laughs> to see what is Daddy doing. And well, he can see it on YouTube, and so he goes and watches it when I'm not home. Um, so. Um, lobbyist. I wrote a I wrote a blog about this one time. Lobbyist is a bad word, um, and it's my perspective on the um, profession of lobbying. And it's really not unlike any other profession. There's a couple people who make that word really bad, but 98 percent of the people who are in the profession are actually really genuine, great people who are there to try to serve their clients, who sometimes are, by the way, child victims of sexual abuse that they're representing. Sometimes they're nonprofits. Sometimes they're higher education institutions or whatever it might be. Um, So, yeah, bringing that home is a tough thing. um, But, you know, my wife is great at wanting to listen so that I can decompress. And I have the best life partner in the absolute world. She is... Um, phenomenal. And so to be able to do that, and she understands that I need to do that. Um, but it's also when I get to come home and decompress and not think about it, it actually gets me to reset. Uh, so um, yeah, it's not unlike any other profession. Uh, politics is what it is. Uh, but um, you can either choose to be a light or be part of the problem. And I choose to be uh, a light to those I interact with. So so here's the thing, Ben. So you kind of mentioned something earlier that I, that I think about a lot. Um, and that's the results-based kind of thought process versus kind of the the, the process-based thought process because that's I feel like I go through process-based. Like if, if I do this, 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 and this, the outcome is going to give me what I expect rather than the outcome is just what I'm trying to get to. I don't care how I get there. That's what I want to get to, right? So I'm curious for you because you sound like you've gone through kind of the different thought process throughout your life. Which one are you teaching your kids? Are you teaching them Whatever you have to do to to get to that outcome you desire, or are you teaching them follow this very well thought out process, and that's going to eventually get you to where you want to be? Perseverance. This is what I talk about with my kids every day. It's perseverance. Um, the Bible teaches us that uh, challenges and struggles. We are promised challenges and struggles. We don't have a happy, perfect life. In fact, perfect does not exist. And that's the whole existence of Jesus Christ is to show us perfect does not exist. And that's what I believe. That's what I live. And so my kids, what we, Sarah and I, my wife and I try to teach our our kids is, is about perseverance. It's not about when bad things happen. It's about what you do when bad things happen. And so the stage of life they're in now is um, is trying to teach them that um, there are tools around them and there are resources around them that they can use in order to get through those bad times. And so how you respond, you can respond either in a way that um, um, is positive or you can respond in a way that furthers your, your issues. And I know we don't want to be too long, but I wanted to give you a dad example, yeah, a absolutely. specific example of this that happened this summer. I coach basketball, coach my son's basketball team, um, you know, just summer league, no big deal. We've had a great time doing it. And we've been talking a lot about perseverance and Cooper gets it. Like he just absolutely gets it. I'm really proud of the guy that he, he just understands it. Um, but we started a, a, a game 
And this one particular dad was pretty mouthy to his daughter who was on my team. And I went over to him and I said, sir, if you don't mind just to let me coach, you're confusing her. And he said, I would if you didn't beep, 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 suck as a coach. And I said, all right, that's enough. You know, you don't, we don't need that. You can just go ahead and leave. And then he says, and your son, beep, 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 sucks too. And everything in me, what do you want to do? I'm cocked. <laughs> yeah. I am. Absolutely. But I, I felt 10 sets of little eyes behind me looking at me. And I thought my reaction to this is either going to make this better or worse. And so I didn't say anything other than just to make sure he left. I looked back, and my son heard it. And obviously, he's hurt. After the game, um, we walk up to the parking lot, and um, that guy was standing there. And I didn't know, are we going to throw down? What's happening, you know, that he's there? And he had tears in his eyes, and he apologized. And I said, you know, really, I don't want you to apologize to me. I want you to apologize to my son. And he did. And my son, at 10 years old, had the wisdom to understand and looked at him. And he says, you know, none of us are perfect, and we all make mistakes, and I forgive you. Wow. I broke down and cried. And I looked at my son, and I said, I don't care what you do in sports, school, or nothing. You can do nothing to make me more proud of you than what you just did right now. Mm. And that is perseverance. You said, Cooper, we're getting blizzards. Get in the car. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Actually, we did. You know, we did. We, we stopped by the Dairy Queen right after. Did you turn them upside down? Did we turn them upside down? And, and we, just them them. Down? we just took them. We just took them. You know, I, I have a, a somewhat similar story. I So my dad, who who listens to every episode, avid fan of the Dad Pod podcast, will admit to you, he did not play sports. So, And I am a sports junkie, so my friend's dad taught me how to play sports. And so he was always my coach. I'm on his team my entire life. And when I was probably around Cooper's age, 10 or 11, we had a little league game. And the the umps just cheated us out of the game. I mean, it's just simple as that. I, and I know Bobby's think, Bobby <laughs> thinks I'm making it up, but they really did. And so my friend's dad defended us because we had already won the game and left. That, so that's, that's how ridiculous this was. The game was over. We're at the concession stand. And the umpires say, well, I changed my mind. Come back. So we have to all come back. And so my friend's dad gets into it with the umpire a little bit. And the umpire starts giving it back to him, and they're yelling at each other. I'd never seen my friend's dad get this animated. He was just really that upset for us. And so the umpire tosses him out, and my friend, and, and he's cussing at my friend's dad. And so my friend's dad turns around and looks at the umpire, all of us looking at him, and he goes, you know what? You're a weenie. Of all the things he could have said, the, the wimpiest <laughs> insult of all time you're a weenie but but i respected the guy as i got older because man in that moment with emotions high like that and all those eyes on you it's hard it's so hard it's tough and kudos to you for not punching the guy unbelievable well that was uh that was the grace of god seriously i mean that i i I wanted to (laughs) well i would have i would have probably gone to jail bobby would have punched him and then gotten punched out by him <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to ask this, Ben, and this and this kind of goes along with that question. And what is it like to coach your kids' team? Dave and I both want to get to that point uh, later on in life. I've told Dave many times, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to coach my kids when they're like three, four, five. Like, I'm way too structured in, in, a, yeah. in a sports setting. Like when they run or like a pack of like a pack of wolves, or when they're uh, <laughs> playing soccer. Like, I don't know if I can deal with that. But maybe nine, ten, I think I could do it. So what's 
What's it like coaching your kid's sports team? Be organized, be structured. Kids love structure. They do. And it's, um, you know, so go into practice with structure and a plan instead of winging it made all the difference for us because I've coached him since he was in second grade. Like, I mean, so even before that, yeah. actually, but, you know, we had second and third graders and then we move up to fourth and fifth grade level. And of course, fourth and fifth grade, they're a little more skilled and can handle themselves a little better. Um, so um, we, uh, you know, we put structure behind it, make it fun. I always try to go in with like, three things to focus on during during the the year or you know for the little kids maybe just one thing and it might be hey we're going to love each other by being great teammates and if somebody messes up i want to hear somebody cheer real loud for them to say you can do it better next time i mean just age appropriate stuff like that that they can get cuz honestly Teaching them the skills and all that stuff, that's all important. They do that. But, you know, being positive so that at least the parents know that you have some purpose behind what you're trying to do as a coach. Um, and then there are the days where the wheels just freaking fall off, and they just do. So uh, they, they do sometimes. But coaching my son um, and my uh, – I don't coach my daughter, but I'm involved with the swimming during the summer. And so she likes to, you know, get my advice on swimming since I swam too. But being involved in that level and coaching, um, it's a balance because – you know, sometimes you got to be hard on the kids and get some discipline in there. And, you know, it's easier to be harder on your kid than the others. And I fall victim to that all the time. I'm like, why am I doing that? <laughs> um, but I do. And um, you have to back off. I always said, then, then, then it came to be, if I can find a really good assistant that I'm close with, and then he kind of does the technical stuff with my son, and I do the technical stuff with his son, Bingo. There's your <laughs> magic silver bullet. Uh, but it is a awesome to see your son hit his first shot to win a championship with them or just see how they, you know, he plays defense or he's winning a s- swim meet or just all that is just to see the smile on his face and how happy he is and um, just know the joy that that brings him and to see that you are proud of him and he just wants you to see him succeed. Uh, that that just means the world to him and to my daughter, and I love being able to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, and, yeah, it, you are harder on your kids. My mom was my fourth-grade teacher, and so I had detention more often than anybody else. So you know, I just – I don't even think they allow that actually now in the public school system. Did, did they still write the names on the yeah, board? Yeah, it's like a hundred check marks whenever, whenever yeah, the, the teacher's out of the system. room. <laughs> detention for a yeah. month. Uh, <laughs> Bobby, you were probably in detention all the time, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> but you know, every once in a while, you meet somebody who comes from a pretty rough situation, and they're incredible. And you go, how in the world did this happen? Like, maybe their dad just wasn't around. Maybe they didn't have a dad. Maybe their dad's in jail. You know, our last uh, guest that we had on, a guy named Byron Johnson, talked a lot about how, how it's built into the fabric, the legacy of families. Either you're a, a family that kind of has it together and the legacy you leave is positive, or you set a negative legacy. And, and Byron was a guy who said he had been in, he, he did prison work, and he said, I've been in the prison before with the grandpa, the father, and the son. And they just all expected to be there. That was just, that was part of the fabric of the family. So with the, the, the fatherhood ideals that you have and the goals that you have for your kids, where did those come from in your family? Did you draw from your own father? or What kind of father figures did you have? 
my dad is still very much living. In fact, he's the summer league swim coach for my kids. So that's awesome. Um, my parents are divorced. Um, they divorced when I was, you know, going through those critical stages of 12, 13, 14. And that was rough on me. Um, and it still is. I mean, that sounds so wimpy, but it is. I mean, it just kind of stinks. Uh, I had a great stepdad. Um, my dad was awesome. Um, so family unit was strong. Um, he was always involved with me, but really what shaped was, um, a couple things. One, you know, when I got engaged, you know, everybody's like, Oh, congratulations. You know, so great. And da, 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 da. One of my mentors at the time, and I recommend everybody have at least five people that they consider mentors. Their kitchen, kitchen table, kitchen cabinet, I call them. And I've always had that, like a group of five people that, and it's changed over the years, but just that I go to and seek advice from that are much wiser than me. Um, one of my guys uh, who I used to uh, play in a band with, actually, he said, hey, congratulations, marriage is hard work. <laughs> <laughs> what? And I didn't realize what that meant until I got married. And I'm like, gosh, I understand what he means. You know, love isn't just a feeling, it's an action. And regardless of your feeling on that day, you can choose whether you're going to love your wife or not. So that was one. Two, um, when I got married, um, my wife said to me, I don't remember a day where my dad, and this is real important for dads of daughters, different dads of sons and dads of daughters, very different. He said, she said to me, I don't ever remember a day where my dad did not tell me that I was beautiful and smart. And I see what impact that had on my wife. And so I said, I'm going to do that with my daughter. And so that was, that was a second thing. The third thing that influenced me as a father more than anything else, more than anything else, I was doing a Bible study with a mentor of mine, and uh, he had me in his office, and I walked in his office, and we were, you know, just getting ready to do a Bible study. I've known John, he's known me since I was in diapers, so this guy's known me forever. And up on his mantle, like his bookshelf, there was this engraved board, and it said, the best thing a father can do for his children is love their mother. And I thought, man... That's right. And I I re, and I we, I read in Ephesians it says husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And we we quickly point out the verse before that which is, you know, wives be submissive to your husbands. Well, I'm not a wife. I don't know what that means, but I do know what Christ did for the church and he died for it. And so for me, that's the model I want my son to see is here's how you treat your future wife. I want my daughter. This is the man that you deserve is somebody who honors, loves, respects, and sacrifice uh, for, for you. And uh, that's what I try to do in our marriage and my uh, father, uh, fathering my children um, is first start with um, my wife. You know, Ben, one thing Dave mentioned earlier was kind of your business and everything like that, the the stressful nature that can come along with that. So what I've got to ask you at this point, right? Because a lot of people think, I want my son and daughter to go into what I do. I want them to follow in my footsteps. If your daughter and son come to you and, you know, let's say, let's let's call it eight years for your daughter when she gets out of college, if she goes to college, and 12 years for your son if he goes to college and comes out of there, and they say, Dad, I want to do the same thing you do. What's your words of advice? Let's go. <laughs> um 
it's fat funny because um, both Cooper and Chloe kind of take an interest in what I do, and uh, Cooper's kind of joked with me in the past, I'm going to take over your business one day. Uh, so my advice to them, though, is no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, um, you are there for a purpose, and there's two simple things that we're called to do, um, and I'm a Christian. That's what, if it's not obvious from my perspectives from um, at this point, but love God, love others. And so we can choose to be a light to the others who, who we're involved with in our home life, our friend's life, our social life, and our work life. To me, my work is just another part of my ministry. How am I relating to other people? If they said, I want to do what you want to do, Dad, no matter what they do, I'm going to tell them, at the end of the day, be a light to those around you no matter what you do. Um, That's what matters most about um, our time here on this earth. Bob, there it is, our conversation with Ben Beeks. And, man, I'm going to be thinking about that that little uh, that youth league basketball story for a he's, while. He's right, though, because, like, man. kids can sense, like, a confrontation like that. And if you handle... But his son. If, if you hand, what yeah, like, if you handle that incorrectly as a parent, like, that can immediately show your kids how to handle it. You know, so, like, to handle it with such... Such grace and composure like he did, I'm sure it has a lasting effect on the sun as well. That's incredible. Well, well, hopefully people, our, our listeners, can take that with them as well. Because there are stories that get told to us on this podcast yeah. that stick with me. All the guests have interesting things to say, but there are stories that just I carry with me. I'm going to carry that one with me. Yeah, for sure. Now, let's talk parenthood. Tips, tricks, failures, and wins. The Dad Pod guys are here for it all. So, Dave, so I've got to ask, since the last time we recorded, um, your son has turned two. He's moved into his second year of life, which tells me we've been doing this for the podcast for quite some time. And the other thing I've got to think about that I started thinking about when my daughter turned two was we took her from a crib to a quote unquote big kid bed. So you've known my str- our struggles with that. You've known all the uh, crap <laughs> we dealt with with that all the the transition so i've got to ask you did de- did hearing our stories is it like is it haunting you a little bit because it's haunted me for my son later on oh yeah he may stay in the crib until i don't know first second grade yeah i mean he's gonna stay in there as long as he needs to stay in there now recently it's interesting you bring up sleep because i our son is an incredible sleeper okay so we sleep trained him he's really slept 12 hours a night basically his entire life. So if you want to know what we did, send us a message. I'll let you know. But he's just an incredible sleeper. So I don't want to mess with it. We just put him in there. We leave him alone. He goes to sleep. So recently, my wife and my mother have been really pushing me to give him a blankie, like give him something. And I've been really resistant to this. But when he turned to... We gave him the blankie. I was on pins and needles the first night that it was going to ruin all the hard work that I'd been through for two years to put him to sleep. Nothing. He fell asleep just like he always does. You know, it's funny. My son is, let's see, he'll be 21 months. Wait, he just, or not 21. Am I thinking 21? No, no, no. He's 19 months today. I'm sorry. He's 19 months today. Um, And the way I look at it, dude, is like we've done something very similar where we, we just keep adding like layers to his bed. Like, first, it's just the crib. 
Then it's, here's a pillow. Then it's, here's a couple stuffed animals. Then it's, here's a blanket. So like we do the same thing, very similar to what you're talking about, where it's like, we just keep adding stuff. And now it's so funny, dude, you lay him down on his back. He immediately like anger rolls over to his belly, lays there and just lays there like a freaking prince. Waiting for you, he's like, all right, all right, all right, peasant, put my blanket on me. So you lay his Tuck blanket me on in. He's gone. It's incredible. Now, but seriously, I've thought about your story a lot. And so I don't know if it's good or bad. When we think about transitioning him to a bed, I'm going to really struggle because I'm going to think about all the pain and suffering you've gone through. I'm just probably going to take like a two-week vacation and tell Emma good luck. I'm sure that'll go over well. <laughs> that'll go over real well. I'm sure it will. Sure that it will. is That should be our dad tip of this week. When in doubt, abandon your family. <laughs> When in doubt, don't listen to Bobby and Dave. There's the there's the advice we can probably don't give. don't abandon them permanently. Just abandon them temporarily. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big thanks again to Ben Beeks, man. That was uh, that was a cool interview. Just listen, dude. Like I and I often wonder, like to your point, the lobbyist thing. Like that was really cool to hear. Like he he agrees, lobbyist is is kind of a word that gets that gets misappropriated too. That's going to do it for this week on the Dad Pod Podcast. He is Dave. I'm Bobby. Big thanks again goes out to Ben Beeks for joining us. We'll be back. Not really sure when at this point, but we're going to be back uh, here on the Dad Pod Podcast. Please go on to Google, Apple, Spotify, and iTunes. Give us a rate, a rating, excuse me. Give us a rating, subscribe, review, continue to listen. Let us know what you want to hear. So he's Dave, the father of Leo. I am Bobby, the father of Molly and Eli. This is the Dad Pod Podcast. Peace.